Welcome to Forever White Belt. I'm your host, Adolfo Ferranda. Today on the show, I have Aaron Johnson, commonly known as Tex Johnson. Tex is a BJJ black belt under Philip Smith and Marilla Santana. Tex has won all kinds of tournaments. He's an IBJJF three-time Pan American no-gi champion, known for his aggressive and submission-orientated style with which he submitted some of the sport's biggest stars. And remember that popular break in the bat meme? Yeah, that was him. Tex certainly has a point of view on a great many things, many of which you'll hear in this episode, and which makes it so interesting as well. Which brings me to the obligatory disclaimer that the views expressed on the show are those of the guest and not necessarily of the show or myself. Just a reminder, please give us a five-star review on Apple Music and Spotify and share this podcast with a friend. It really helps us out. Please leave us feedback and suggestions on how we can improve the show and consider becoming a patron at anchor.fm forward slash Forever White Belt. Like us on Facebook and TikTok at Forever White Belt and check us out on Instagram at Forever White Belt Show. Go buy your Forever White Belt swag at teespring.com forward slash forever dash white dash belt. If you ever get to beautiful Northern California, please come roll with us in North Bay Jiu-Jitsu in the city of Nevada. They're amazing instructors and everyone there are great people. They offer judo, kickboxing, wrestling as well. Mention the podcast and get two weeks free. And with that, I give you Tex Johnson. Tex, welcome to the show, man. So you're an Ohio boy, born, military brat, traveled around and wound up in uh, money-making Manhattan, right? Kind of sort of roundabout way. I know, uh, obviously, illustrious career. Let's talk about your game a bit. It's interesting watching your game. Everyone talks about, you know, being this leg lock guy and this and that, but how you move. You move so agile for your size. I've seen you jump guard a ton of times. I've seen you do a lot of triangles and arm bars. That's a weapon that seems to be, or weapons or strategy of your game that often seems overlooked when people talk about you. Yeah, I think it's because the leg locks are deemed to be so devastating. And then after a career victory over Felipe Pena with a heel hook when Gordon couldn't do it, I think it kind of just, you know, stuck in people's minds. To say that that was my proficiency in leg locks, where my proficiency is just actually in submissions all around and chaining them together. In competition, I don't compete the best. I'm actually for points. Submission, I don't, I don't have to worry about the points as much. Coming from a uh, a strong guard game with Marilla Santana, the Meow Twins, Levi Jones, countless people there, Jefferson, Italo, so many guys. I just realized how bad my guard was when I actually mm. got to Unity and how a lot of people taught guard retention wrong and also how people had been teaching inverting wrong. And there's this newer way of being able to recompose guard and also stay in the pocket with each other, stay in the attack at all times and be able to, one, slip leg locks and re-pummel, leg pummeling, and then pummeling up top with your legs. And now you have the hippopalata, which is a knee line wedge onto the hip or the shoulder line to sweep the partner. There's all these nuances that are coming out with just good framing. Good framing is becoming a new thing. I think Mm. a lot of people thought that framing was so good back in the day, which it was long frames and get your body away, which long frame and getting your body away is great for getting away from something, but not good for attack. Mm. So a lot of times when you roll with people, they do the stereotypical shrimp where they just long frame and they shrimp their hips away. And it's like, well, I mean, that only works for so long if I'm always coming forward and you're mm-hmm. extending your legs. I'm going to get over your hip line. I'm going to get over your knee line. So there's been this whole, I don't know what it is, but like the everyday shrimp is like supposedly the most important thing in jujitsu. Mm. 
And I think this is where, like, I just don't think it is. I think it's, I think it's a disservice to most white belts to just teach them how to just shrimp and not how to recompose guards from side control. Getting back to guards from side control when people are just shrimping, it's like, I have an arm above your shoulder line. If you're not bringing your hips out and bringing something between us, you're not going to move anywhere. You have to escape your hips out and bring a wedge inside. And that came with Gordon and the upper body attacks from side control, which I was doing as a blue belt. There's a sneaky arm bar from side control where you just throw your bottom knee inside and you throw the leg over the top. I think everybody's done it, but it was like this revolutional like thing when like Gordon said, it was like, oh God, you can wedge your leg. <laughs> it's like, all right, guys, like let's hold up here. Like, And I, I get off on that, the whole BJJ fanatics thing, like being the greatest thing for jiu-jitsu. And it's like, man, like it's really not. It's great for you guys to fanboy out on these people but and support their career, but I don't think it's the greatest thing for jiu-jitsu. And I think a lot of people are showing bad technique on there. They're just like people are showing to let people pass their guard so they can get like baseball chokes. And it's like, bro, like you shouldn't be showing people this stuff. Like, I guess it's fun, but for me, I think there's been a lot of disservice done for the jiu-jitsu community with some of the teachings on there. There's a lot to unpack there. You know, the difference is yeah. what you're talking about is uh, differentiating between the specifics of what you're talking about, gi versus no gi, and you coming from a time of pre-instructionals. And there's a debate now also of what are fundamentals. There is that whole debate on like, what is Barambolo a basic move? Well, the concept mm -hmm. of off-balancing to take somebody's back or to get around them or to move yourself around the person should be very, very fundamental for anybody, I think. When people think of Arambolo, they're like, oh, I'm, I can't invert onto my neck. I can't get on. It's like, well, one, you're not on your neck, you're on your shoulders. The proper inversion, you shouldn't be stacking yourself on your neck. Your chin should be tucked. Your hips should be in a C curved and your legs should be across their body where you can use your foot hooks to grab the far side hip and load them. And I feel like people have a misconception of inverting because I had some instructor was like, oh, you gotta, you gotta turn onto your neck. And it's like, yeah, you tell people to like roll on top of their neck every time they're gonna like try and do a barren bullet, they're probably not gonna like it and they're probably gonna tell you to go fuck yourself. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. So it's one of these things where like, when I first started inverting and I learned from Marillo and the guys, I was like, man, like inverting is done completely wrong. And the frames need to be inside, the wedges need to, your elbows need to stay inside your knee line, not opposed to outside your knee line most of the time, unless you're attacking four side legs. But it's this concept where like, everybody gets like this thing, like, oh, well, I have to get on top of my neck. It's like, man, I've never had back problems from inverting. I don't understand this concept of like where like a tight back maybe, but like not debilitating pain or anything like that. Like, so especially now after incurring a back injury, it's one of those things where it's like, well, what are the mechanisms that people are using that are wrong and teaching wrong? And also where we can help people better that when, you know, when I'm teaching, teaching curriculum, obviously. Mm -hmm. Well, it's, it's weird because jujitsu is so individualized. You know, some techniques and movements resonate with people in person by person. Nick the Tooth, who's a middle-aged guy, AOJ Black Belt, he was telling me, yeah, man, Baron Bolo is like an absolute staple, a go-to for me still. Yes. That's like his, Bro, his jam. Because he was taught how to, he was taught how to properly invert by the Mendez brothers. And, you know, that's one of the things like, yes, Baron Bolo should be not frowned upon. I just feel like... It's one of the greatest techniques we've seen.
it's weird how All it's been associated with like joking in a way. Like whenever anyone uh, is in conversation about these crazy moves, it's always the Baron Bolo is like the the you know the scapegoat, so to speak. It'll just like how people used to talk about Tenth Planet or something like that, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's the or whole thing locks. with guard. What what about like guard pulling? Like guard. Like right. why should yeah. I wrestle you if I can just sit on my ass and you can come attack? Try to please. I would love that. Like try right. to pass my guard, and they're like, "Well, you pull guard." I'm like, "You have to pass my guard without getting submitted." And I have a 75 to 80 percent submission rate at black belt. So yeah, no shit. I'm gonna pull guard. Like, do you think the lawyer doesn't use his best tactics in the courtroom? Of course he does. You know, yeah. like we've entered a, a new era with the whole flow grappling and the the high school drama of the real world. Who's next? And you watch some of these matches and it's just all, inter- it's entertainment. I get it. But at the end of the day, it's not really growing grappling. Yeah. I I, I'm wondering anything. if we're on the tail end of this. Well, I've called it like the fetishization of some of the shows we know, like a bunch of guys in a little like, sweaty room and that's, it becomes well, a reality show like... and we got to go hard 24 seven every day, right. you know, no matter how old you are, no matter what belt you are and you're constant wrestling, you're supposed to be pull, at a D1 pull hotter, level. Pull hotter and, every day, pull hotter every day. And it makes for good uh, marketing, right? And advertising. So I don't fault anyone in that respect because it sells. We have either girls who have to go to OnlyFans to make money in jujitsu because the culture won't accept them seriously. Like you've got people who won't pay women enough. But on the other hand, the women don't sell tickets. So how are you going to have an all women's card if it's not going to make enough money to pay the athletes? It's like, well, you guys have enough money. It's like, that's not how viewership works. And then you got these guys that are, I mean, you can do the BGJ fanatics thing, or you can do mm. you can try and do seminars. If you have a name, if you have a association to go through, it's, it's just people making money through grappling and the super fights are a gravy, but they're not really like, they're what I wanted to do for my means of, uh, making money in jujitsu was competing, but they don't pay enough normally. They're only paying enough for like Gordon. And it's like, mm. guys, we've all had to be there. So if you guys are going to hide the numbers, flow grappling hides the numbers from the, the grapplers. So the grapplers can't know their viewership and ask for of a course. price. Of ask course. for a fair price. Well, let's talk about you. Why don't I see more text instructionals? Why don't I see a text YouTube channel? Why don't I see text.com? You know what I mean? Private coaching that I'm paying 20 bucks a month to or whatever it is. I don't believe in spamming people. I hate marketing. I know it's the way to make. I can I tell. That shit. <laughs> I see people. I see people do it every day, and I'm like, you have to rec- you have to remind people every day that you have a DVD out. I don't really want to do that every day. Like, either you're gonna buy it or not. I'd rather do seminars in in the Netherlands, seminars in Turkey, seminars in Greece, seminars in Italy. I'd rather go visit countries and do seminars and meet mm-hmm. people than sit behind a camera and blah 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 there's no i like personality interaction i'm a personal guy i, I really like people but that'd be cool so, have a camera follow text around to turkey i mean that's like anthony well, bourdain I mean, of jiu-jitsu man that sounds awesome but yes so finding the funding to do a show would be great Again, but I don't like marketing. I don't like talking to people like that. And I'm kind of lazy when it comes to shooting instructionals. Like I said, I'd rather be training. I'd rather be training on the mats with people and like them mm-hmm. ask me a question and then I just go over it with them mm-hmm. like for free. I don't really want money from that stuff. Like I'll get in an academy when I want one and that's what will make me the lump sum of my money in this. In oh, this okay. So that's game, the goal. I guess. 
So you are aware that we live in a capitalist society and we got to make yeah. money and no hating on the, hey man, it's business. <laughs> Definitely is business. I hate business. So that's why I don't do a lot of it. <laughs> I just stay away from it. Gotcha. But I just live a simple life. I'm going to live the simple life until I leave. Why do you love Turkey so much? I've never been. So I don't uh, know. The people are very hospitable. All the gyms I've been to, the owners and everybody are so nice. Culturally, it's like a bigger Manhattan. It's got so many people. So all like you can walk the street at like 3 a.m. in the night and there's like over 100 people on one road. And you're just like, why are you people out? Like, what is wow. going on? Like, there's people going to work. There's people, you know, they got to make whatever the bakery is going on at 4 a.m. So he's getting there at 3 a.m. There's people everywhere. And wow. uh, it's crazy. It's fun. It's cheap. I mean, Ooh, I like that. If you, if you go, yeah, if you go over with the American dollar, the last time I was there was like 17 to one. It felt like you would exchange like a couple hundred dollars and you'd have like $10,000. You'd be like, oh shit. And you got like to the point where I was like, well, I can only exchange a hundred at a time because I don't want to carry all this fucking <laughs> money on me. $1,700 at a time. Like The history too in Turkey, but the history in Turkey, getting to see some of the, the older buildings, the mosque and stuff really interesting like we went to this place Copadocchio, which is where they they do these hot air balloons every morning but so many thousands of years ago there were people escaping prosecution for religion and burying yeah. themselves underground yeah and then there were people building into the the mountains and they hated each other and it's like you guys are like the same people one goes underneath one goes in the mountains it's like um <laughs> It's a great history, but like at the end of the day, that's the one part that I can't stand about like history at the end of the day is like, we're always looking for that what's different thing. And it's like, dude, like we're just humans. Like, I mean, if we could get rid of this separatist (laughs) bullshit, like at a certain point, like popularity contest, like if everybody was the same, there'd be no fun. So (laughs) if there's no conflict, there's no fun in life. So uh, I think that's where the dramification of jujitsu has come. It's like, mm-hmm. that's why we have to go to the dramification of jiu-jitsu. And that's why I guess Michael Sears and the guys at Flow Grappling use the whole WWE and the whole shit talking or extreme, like they say things. It's like, yeah, we shouldn't say things like that to each other unless we really want to fight. Like, I'm, Well, that seems like to be the same model of, of like WWE, boxing, UFC. I mean, right. it's the same. And it gets fucking old. Like, it gets stale. Yeah. I fight I fought in May and I was like, I tell the guys, like, you have to get locked in a cage with me tomorrow. Like, what's the point of talking shit? Like, we're going to fight, like, regardless if I talk shit to you or not, because promoters would be like, what do you have to say about the guy? I'm like, yeah, we're going to fight tomorrow. Like, I'm sorry, you can't make it more exciting. I mean, it's going to be two men. Like, if you can't be moment enough to see, like, two great athletes fight, like, we don't need the shit talk, you know, we don't need the demoralization of each other. There's no need when I spoke with Quentin too, I'm like, how, how many heels can we have? You know what I mean? In terms of that sort of model. And he's <sighs> like, well, yeah, I'm like, cause it's tired now and it comes off as fake. And yeah, he's like, yeah, I guess it's kind of cringy. He said, and, uh, but, but you do need someone with personality. And I do agree with that. And there's something about having the it factor and some right. people got it and some people don't. It's true. It's true. I was lucky enough to have it. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, going back to Turkey, man, I know you go there. there, Why keep going back there? It sounds like you enjoy going Uh, back. Are they receptive to your jujitsu? Yeah, so it's a great place. Like the last time I went, Smish Only, which is a gym owned by these three guys, and two of them are ADCC competitors. And they're chasing that dream of, you know, they're brown belts, they're up and coming, they're young, they're in their 20s. And 
I went over there to teach and not only that, but to see how their, their game was going to evolve for them to be able to go to the next level of wherever they need to be. Training competitors is one of those things where I feel like a lot of people think that they have to change where they start changing the athlete more than just like giving them things that they're good at and making them better at it, sharpening those tools instead of opposed to like giving them a whole new game. So seeing what their game was, whether it's leg locks, barambolos, this, that, and the other, the problem with it is, is nowadays that you can't be just one-sided. You can't just have a one-sided game anymore. You have to know the bowlers. You have to know the back take sequences. You have to know the leg escapes, the leg pummels, the upper body attacks, the higher guards, and all that stuff. So it's nice to go over there because their game is modernized, but I feel like what the problem over there is, is they have to, all of them usually have to work jobs. Most of us did too here, but their jobs are a little bit more stressful, more demanding, apparently. And there's the stress of poverty there more than here, obviously. So I feel like a lot more adversity to deal with, which has subsequently like it brings their jujitsu a little bit down mm. because of the way that they have to train. Mm. And a lot of the times I feel like they don't have a very competition mindset to do that because they all most people over there have maybe accepted the fact that they're not going to be, you know, this, they're going to own a gym. They're going to make money off the gym. And I feel like a lot of people do this. It's not just, I, this is just a general, this is really generalized. A lot of people go, well, I'll start a gym, Mm -hmm. make me enough money where I can compete. And I'm like, you won't have enough time. Don't fucking stay broke and fucking (laughs) stay broke and suffer. Don't like, and don't tell me you're special because there's a long list of special people who have tried and they didn't do it. Like once you get like five or six titles, cool. But unless you're just that good, it's going to be very hard for you to do that. It seems like even taking it further now, I just spoke with Matt Scaff, who's now coaching specifically and we're differentiating between coaching and instructing. So now right. you're looking at other aspects of it too. I mean, I'm, I'm not even talking about jujitsu. I'm talking about diet and your strength training and monitoring that kind of science as well and psychological type of stuff. It's gone beyond. We're touching these really professional athlete levels. And when you're talking about people running different side jobs, plus having or perhaps running their own academy, yeah. I mean, it's just two different universes. It totally is. The person who can solely concentrate on training, every rep, everything. There's no stress of like, my wife needs this. My kids need that. My yeah, my gym needs. No, I don't. I need anything but just for me to go to training and do hard work and then come home and do that again. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people bring a lot of their own problems into their jujitsu by not focusing while they're there. Jiu-jitsu was not very fun for me. I tried to make it as fun as I could, but it wasn't like fun for me. It wasn't like a thing that I, I loved doing. It was hard and it made me think and it was good for me because it kept me from doing things I shouldn't have been doing. I used it as a means to stay away from things, keep myself busy until I got mm. good enough. And then I was like, oh, well, yeah, I'm actually kind of good at this. So I'll do it. I did the same thing with MMA. Now that kind of segued into jujitsu, where it's like, I tried to have fun doing jujitsu. It really wasn't that fun. So now I'm still like, now I'm trying to figure out what's fun in jujitsu for me. And I think it's going to be teaching. I think it's going to be instructing. Competing is not fun. Like I said, you've got the dickheads, the drama, the guys talking shit. And it's like, dude, like we don't have to do this. We don't have to talk shit. We're just going to, what? It's just cringy now. Like Quinn said, it's just a bunch of dudes talking shit to each other. I don't care for it. There's no need for it. the stress and the drama in my life of these yeah. people. 
people like that would be just crushing it on instructionals you know i mean when you're looking at two three hundred dollar instructionals and then god only knows how much privates you know you're gonna pay three hundred dollars for dvd of moves like i wouldn't cuck myself like that in life to say i couldn't figure out jujitsu i'm not doing that to myself like i'm good enough at jujitsu i'll figure it out if the only way you like even entertain this idea of like buying these dvds like you said like you're a worker you like to do it you want to support the athlete but also for me, deep down inside, like I'm only going to train with my instructor anyways. Like I'll watch YouTube sometimes of competitors, but back in the day, all, I only wanted to train with my teammates and my guys. I was very old school. So I trained with Jacare, I trained with Alliance. We didn't believe in cross training. So somebody's DVD could come out and we'd be like, fuck that, it's not Alliance. You know, like mm. we were kind of like that. So now that it's, I cross train so much now and I love it, but the, the idea of buying a DVD to learn jujitsu was just not even entertained. What it seems like is the young talent coming up now is phenomenal. It looks like a hockey stick, like type of approach to talent. It, <laughs> yeah. It's like the new iPhone versus, you know, the flip phones we were using back in the day or something. Sure. And my theory is that they have basically the internet, right? They have all the information they need now. Um, no, they have all the like supplementation the they need now. Yeah. They have all the new science. They need the, all the perfect training, coaching, and all those things we were talking about and right. sleeping and not partying like we used to do on weekends hard and then going in and fighting they're all straight edge now you see what i mean right so don't you think like instructionals or some kind of information benefited that oh for sure i mean the the internet for sure you also have youtube and instagram well well, you have studies you can study people's matches now because of flow grappling everybody has their matches on that's even blue belts even the no-name white belt and it's a good service and a disservice it depends on how smart you are Mm. if you're not smart enough to understand the the services that you have it doesn't matter I don't care who you are. If you don't understand YouTube and the jujitsu that's being displayed, it doesn't matter. Like you're just looking at shit and going like, oh yeah, like that's really nice. My thing is, is even Gary said it is like self-defense without 100% sparring is useless. If you can't spar with what you're doing, it's useless. Don't give me this shit that like, oh, it works when I'm drilling. Well, guess what? Nobody cares. Like, honestly. So Mm -hmm. if it's not working when you're rolling with other people who are trying other algorithms, I call them algorithms, there are other moves against you, then Mm -hmm. it's not working. You don't know what you're doing. You have to Mm -hmm. figure it out. And a lot of people can only view things as a broad subject. They can't break it down small enough for them to get good enough at it. I mm-hmm. find a lot of people when they teach, it's a, a thing, it's, it's a broad subject and they don't know all the nuances and details and it just gets thrown at these white belts and it's like, like I watch how most people teach and it's like six different moves in a week or seven and it's not even from the same position. How do you expect any white belt or anybody to comprehend anything? And I'm fucking retarded. I'm not even going to lie. Like I have ADHD. I have all these learning disabilities. So like when I got to Unity and things were done like monthly, like months of daily Heba, months of Baron Bolo, months of leg locks, months. Mm. And then like you actually learn the concept that's being taught and then you just use it. And then you get better at it as you do it because you know what the actual product is. And you've gone through the movement. Situational training is the most underrated training that we have. So one of the things I do now is like I roll with smaller, lighter people now because of my back injury on top and I work with my passing 
And I let people get into positions so I can work my passing and work my spider guard defense, work my daily heave defense, and work my half guard defense because I have time to let people get me into moves where, like, I'm not fighting people anymore. Like, I'm not going to train with people where it's going to be, like, a hard round anymore. I'm like, eh, no. Like, if you're 160, 170 pounds, I'll go on top. If you're less than that, I can go on bottom. But anything more than that, I'm just not going to fight anybody. There's no point in it for me anymore. But it's wouldn't you say that's learn. more of like a recent advented oh, thing? Sure. Yeah, that's yeah. that's occurred well, versus that's just, back in the day, just going in and kicking each other's ass as hard as yeah. we can. That always seemed entertaining, but also lack of need. There needs to be enough stress. Like when I first started at Unity, the first Unity, it was hell. I don't know how anybody else viewed it, but to me, it was hell. It was four to six hours of training and one session and then trying to get something to eat before I'd go work until 10 p.m. But those first couple of years at Unity were what I call the dirt of what I got. And then <laughs> now at Unity, no, because, dude, it was everyday Pohada times 10. Yeah, it was 100 degrees in there. There was 80% humidity and the walls were crying and people were taking showers in between rounds. It was so fucking sure. hot, you know what I mean? So sure. that gave me the dirt to go and grow into the flower that I became into jujitsu. When I was doing my best, I'd roll with the last people possible and just move with them because the bigger guys suck at jujitsu. Unless you're a Victor Hugo or Maximum Jimenez or some of these other guys that can move, you suck at jujitsu. You're really slow and you just try and pressure people and lay your fat ass on them. Like, or I you have that, a, but, a limited game, right? Someone, a big yeah, guy. Yeah, I mean, I've heard it, I've heard it described nice. in the past as people have a, a perfect Kimura game, <laughs> a right? Shit, a big it's guy. a shit game or like half guard game. I have a half guard game. It's like, yeah, I mean, you have no open guard. Like, like there's Rafael Babylonia who has an amazing open guard game from Cicero Costa, Marula Santana, and Unity, and he's he's not a little guy. He inverts and everything. It's one of those things where it's like people let themselves have an excuse for having good jujitsu, and it's like just because you're a big guy doesn't mean you can't do everything. Like, you don't have to, obviously, but for my guys, for me to, to give somebody a black belt, they're going to have to have basic understanding knowledge of these things, regardless if it's their game. They're going to have to know how to invert. They're going to have to know how to do Baron Bolos and all that fun shit. Even if it's not their game, that's fine. I'm not going to be too appreciative of half-guard players in my gym. <laughs> you know, what I often hear is it's always the, the Hodger Gracie analogy, right? Of uh, oh, keeping God, yeah. only the basics. I don't need anything else. Cross collar choke from Mount and over <laughs> and over and over again. Every episode, it's always like that. And God bless Hodger Gracie. And he is debatably the goat. But right. I, I wonder if that gives people an excuse not to explore these other tools. I think it has. I think it has given a lot of people... But again, you're not Hodger and until you're doing that, then exactly. why aren't you doing that? Why aren't you trying something new? <laughs> like, I didn't have to do anything other. I got bored of straight ankle locks. Like, I hate straight ankle locking people now. Like, I literally would rather do anything else than straight ankle lock somebody. Unless it's just right there and now I do it just to let them feel it because I love it. They're like, oh my God, like, what the fuck? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's cool. Let's go. All right, you got to feel it. Straight <laughs> ankle lock. It's the one that everybody loves. Yeah, if you're not challenging yourself, what's the point of going to jujitsu if you're not trying to get better? Hmm. I hear people like, oh, I go here to escape my life. I'm like, this is fucking life too. You're not escaping anything. Like I had to tell my people who would come from Soho and I worked with people who made tons of money, like people in financing and stuff. I'm like, dude, leave that shit at work. Learn jujitsu. Like literally leave all that shit there. Mm -hmm. Be here, be present. Like you're paying for this class. Like this is my time, your time, and I'm the professor. 
I don't give a shit if you call me a professor or not, but like, let's learn. Let's not doubt about like what's going on out there. Like leave that shit outside. It's not just an escape. It's an actual learning tool. To that point, text thing, what makes a great student? Oh God, what makes a good student? Well, they have to, they have to be able to be coachable. Obviously they have to be able to listen. When people say coachable, I often say, what does that mean specifically? You said, listen. Listen, you just have to listen and show up. A good student just shows up. He just comes and he learns. The whole thing of like, you can't leave your gym because then you're a bad person if you leave your gym. And it's like, no, you're not. People are like, oh, well, that guy left my gym and I think he's an asshole. You mean he took $150 a month out of your bank account? Oh, yeah. And if you call somebody out on that, they're like, oh, you can't. I'm like, yeah, that's all it is, bro. Like, was he a bad student? Did he do something wrong? There's so many bad things going on in jujitsu and you're going to call this guy out publicly. Like the drama, like there's gyms in Virginia talking shit to each other, like every day, like, oh, you're a fake black belt. Your brown belt sucks. And it's like, bro, like, honestly, this is bad business. But this is jujitsu, though, now, because they know nobody's going to go to their gym and beat the shit out of them. Like, shut up. And we both have our money or not. It seems to be like more academies seem to be encouraging cross-training now. So I, I don't know. Yes, I think in now. terms of modernization of jujitsu and then culturally, but also I do agree that sometimes academies and instructors, they forget that they are a product and that their right. students are the customers. And that if you're a right. bad product, your customer well, is going to buy another product. Jujitsu has an ego problem. I just think that luxury is going away because there are so many academies now. There's so many choices, well, depending well, again, on where you are. Of course. But again, jujitsu has an ego problem. What do you, you mean know, that whole like, well, I mean, people, that's why they get angry. If their student leaves, that's why they're angry. It's their ego is hurt. And there's this lie about killing your ego with jujitsu. And it's just like, no, we're both like, I think about it sometimes. And I have to tell people this. You can't take jujitsu personally. Some things are personal, but you got to try and not take it personal. Some people don't like you. They don't want to roll with you, but they'll roll with you. Trust me. I feel it when people roll and they don't like it. And I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. shit. Like, okay, well, still going to do it. I'm going to still have fun. Try to, you know, but you get a lot of people who don't know that you're just going to get your ass kicked sometimes. And that's jujitsu. And they take it personal. And like, I hear it from white belts blue belts are like talking about oh that person doesn't like me or i'm like did they say they didn't like you <laughs> what what and who gives a shit let them be you guys oh well they're on my team you are on their team uh-huh. this is a team this is a team now we're corporations now you have fight sports as a corporation atos is a corporation alliance is a corporation these are all corporations they don't care unless you're making them money so why do you care at the end of the day like go to a different gym if there's enough drama at one gym leave it it's pointless at this point and i see a lot of drama at a lot of gyms and that's one of the things that keeps me away from starting a gym i want to know what your favorite rule set is and your thoughts on rule sets because there are so many now there's adcc there's all the ibjjf stuff there's interesting things like combat jiu-jitsu i really want to pick your brain about that and, you know, EBI, obviously, there's a ton of these things. Let's talk about your thoughts on some of these. My favorite point system was Kasai, hmm. which was IBJJF points, no advantages, and you got points for submission attempts. I like that. And yeah. And at the end, if it resulted in a tie, it was golden score. But their format for a tournament was really awesome, too, because it was the same points. And it was like Grand Prix style. If you, if you had a submission, it was three points draw two points and then one points for whatever so it had the best of everything you had the submission attempts to push 
submission attempts, you know, points for submission attempts. So that pushed Gregorian for submissions. It had the positional controls. And unlike other times where it's one person started in a bad position, another person, like, let's see two people fight. The other guy can pull guard. He can sweep. The other guy can take him down. Let's start him in neutral and let him go for five minutes. It was a 10-minute regular schedule and then five minutes golden score after that. It seemed to work great. It seemed to be entertaining. It was done in Manhattan, Miami, Orlando, at Disney World. And it seemed to work great. I don't know why it didn't stay, but I think it was one of the best rule sets. And then your thoughts on combat jiu-jitsu? It's just people slapping each other. I mean, it's fun. Open hand is left. We saw a knockout, our first knockout. I, I course you will because if you learn how to palm hill strike people in the face it's not a slap so we're slapping people or we palm hill striking them to the eye socket or the brain until they go unconscious either way i don't care i did mma so interesting i still see the jujitsu guys winning more than the mma guys so i don't think it proved like it just adds a new wow factor for everybody more than Mm -hmm. anything because the pure jujitsu guys are still winning the most i don't really watch it like, yeah, I, I can like tell. When I, you don't have a strong normally, opinion either way, it sounds when like. I, but I know, because I love Eddie and it's his thing. Yeah. EBI, I yeah. love it. Like, dude, I've done EBI. It's great. I don't like EBI overtime. It's one of my worst things, but it's like you start in a bad position with somebody and it's like normally a black belt and it's like, well, fuck, here we go. And it was like one of those things where it left matches becoming stagnant sometimes because people would not try to submit each other. People would just try and wait for overtime. They pull guard and then not try and submit. They would just shrimp away and just guard with him until they got to overtime and then pick back and then do that. So it was like one of those things where it's like it kind of left for stalling because there are no stalling calls in it. There has to be some sort of stalling call. There has to be some way of saying like person on top is stalling, person on bottom is stalling. That was my only only issue with EBI. Those two things. Overtime and there's not really any stalling calls. And Every time you went, the rules could change because Eddie would be like, do you guys want to add like this or do you guys want to do this? Which is nice, but also like, tell me the rules so I don't get confused. It's one of those things where I had to tell Kasai the same thing. I'm like, you guys can't have, like you guys are getting matches mixed up because you're letting people set their matches. And then the guy you paid to coordinate the match doesn't know shit. Like he didn't get the memo that it was not submission only, no time limit. If you're a product, you should hold yourself prestigious enough to stay by your rules. And if somebody wants to compete in your tournament, then you tell them it's by your rules. You have to stick by your your product. I don't like when people change themselves to like immediately make people happy. It's like, well, no, you're your product. We're we're deciding to compete for you. It's like people who say IBJJF sucks. And I'm like, well, just don't compete in it. It doesn't matter. Like, well, it just sucks. And I'm like, well, just leave it alone. You can't win a tournament there. And they're like, well, what if I could? I'm like, well, then prove it or shut up. It's it's pretty simple. Like, I don't know why people have a complaint about tournaments. It's like, it's, I have a very good solution. Don't go. just don't fucking go simple Mm -hmm. don't complain theoretically how would you change the belt system or would you how would i change okay so i wouldn't change the belt system i would actually take out stripes white belts and black belts get stripes everybody in between is you're gifted your belt as your there's no need for people to get this reward system that's not martial arts the reward system was brought in for capitalism and marketing and you have people who have added an extra belt like the green belt and then they charge people for every belt i don't like gimmicks like that i don't like again like marketing I customer attention marketing. tax customer, yeah, customer attention, attention man oh my how are you ever gonna have a good academy if you don't think about 
So I'm just going to teach really good jujitsu and be nice to people. How about that? How about just fucking teach them good jujitsu and don't exploit them for all their monies. And I guarantee you, you'll get more money from them at the end of the day. Like it will pay itself forward. <laughs> you know what I mean? Through accomplishments and everything else. So yeah, I would do away with stripes except for white belt and black belt. And that's about it. I don't think there's really much to do with the belts. I think the whole nogi thing and belts is stupid. Like, well, that's you, what I was going to say. Wanna... I mean, you, you play yeah, a lot I'm of sure both in Nogi. Do you go. even care? Yeah. yeah. Do you even care? Here's the thing. In Nogi, there's no belt, technically. It is what it is. You have people who are giving belts to Nogi people. Fine, whatever. It started with Eddie Bravo. It's great. It is what it is, but it means nothing at this point. They devalued it so much that it's like the purists can claim their belts and they've done things in the Gi. I, I hate to say it like that, but again, like you're not a jujitsu guy unless you're trained in the gi. Like it's no gi grappling, it's not no gi jujitsu. It's no gi. There's either wrestling. There's no real no gi judo. There's simple things to. So the the same thing with jujitsu. Jujitsu is based in the gi. It's based in a uniform, and the no gi guys they have their own thing, and it's great. And I became more of an Ogi guy towards the end because not a lot of people are paying for D matches. Also, the Black Belt World title at, at IBJJF is more, still the, the most prestigious title out there. I hear people talk about IBJJF and it's like, there's still only one prestigious title. It's Black Belt Gi Worlds. I mean, ADCC is there now, but mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it was always Black Belt Gi Worlds. It seems like the two have really bifurcated. Like, they're two completely different arts now, in a way. Would you agree? They are. They are, but it's still good framing and Mm -hmm. spatial awareness underneath your opponent and where you can fit in and get your knee lines and beat their knee lines and pummel. The thing about the gi that's gotten a little lackluster is the lapel shit and 50-50 and stuff like that. Yeah, mm. that's, yeah, that's how so. Weird. Do you that's feel weird. it slowed the game down or what? Oh, for sure. It, it, I mean, mm. you have to. Like, I mean, I'm a 50 50 player, but I'm normally going for leg locks and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, when you have two super strong, highly athletic guys, you've got to stop him. You've got to slow him down. So even the Dan Her leg lock system and everything, it was all about tying up both legs, right? Mm-hmm. The best guy at that was Eddie Cummings. Okay. But why? He became boring because he would tie up both guys' legs. He would get them in a, a saddle, and he could stay there the whole match. Mm-hmm. Whether he could tap them or not, it was just like, okay, well, now we're just going to sit here and either Eddie taps him or this guy takes a leg pop and gets his knee out. So it becomes like, yeah, you're going to have to stop people. You're going to have to entangle them so they can't run around your guard, so they can't pass your guard. So it's all going there. And now you have buggy chokes. We're going to let somebody pass our guard, and then we're going to put them in a triangle. The utmost dumbest shit I've seen. And then they're, like, complaining about gee guys playing guard. And I'm like, well, at least the gee guys are playing guard. <laughs> you guys are going to side control and getting your shit, like trying to choke people. Like, and I've seen some really bad slams to people's fucking heads from this. Mm-hmm. And it's like, so That's in true. ADCC, now it's illegal. Now it's illegal. You can't slam to the front in a buggy choke. They've given the guy on bottom in the buggy choke a win win. Think about it. I can't slam out of that because I can't land them on their head. So we'll see what happens with that. I bet we see a lot of buggy chokes. That is interesting. <laughs> ADCC. Yeah. I've heard whispers about heel hooks in the gi. Your thoughts on that? Ooh, it's kind of easier to defend. You can just grab the sleeve. There's no point in them. Yeah, I've rolled with people who are like, oh, heel hooks in the gi, like, don't be a bitch. 
okay, well, like, why? Like, what does it matter if you can hook in the gi? Like, why do you want to? It makes no sense. If you guys want to do that, then let's announce it before the match. Let's announce it before the round. My only problem with this is, like, when people grab them in the gi, and not that I don't know, but, like, we didn't agree upon this. And in most generalized rules, there's not heel hooks in the gi. So what's the point of, like, ripping a heel hook on somebody in the gi when it's not natural? Like, there's the famous match with Andre Gaval and the judo guy who reaped his knee, and then mm -hmm. Andre just demoralized the guy. Like, the guy shouldn't even be in the tournament. The good thing about that now is, like, now you have to have so many points to go to Worlds and fans. But, no, there's no need for heel hooks in the gi. Do you think it would change the game? I mean, the leg game in general, the leg game in the gi. Because someone's gonna do it. I mean, you know, someone's gonna do it. There's gonna be for sure, for sure. You know, I mean, the show I, that does well, this. Well, here's the thing. Well, you have that lock that people. It's kind of like an Ioki, like inside heel hook that people are doing now. Mm -hmm. That Victor Hugo hit on Muhammad Ali. That was kind of illegal, but everybody yeah, let it go. Yeah, that one is it. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> but anyways, it depends on who you are, I guess. But anyways, you've got that going on. It's it's practically an inside heel hook, and nobody's calling it. You let the heel slip out. There has to be a rule on that. Then you know there has to be a rule if the heel is exposed and you're turning it up. Is that legal? Is that illegal? Hmm. If they want to have them, they should have them. Just do those tournaments. I think uh, Grappling Industry had them, heel hooks in the gi for a while. But I think they did away with them. I don't think they allow them anymore. It never lasts. What makes a great instructor? One of the things is being able to see everybody's individual needs as a student and being kind of uh, forgiving with them. I feel like a lot of people, when they're starting to instruct, it's very hard for them to understand that these people are desk job people and stuff like that sometimes. And they've always been an athlete. A lot of athletes are bad coaches. They come out of the gate. They're just like, this is the way it's done. And this is the way it's, yeah, it's like, that's not how that works. So being able to understand just everybody's individual need and help them with their game and also kind of be a therapist. It's one of the things like you have to talk to so many people as an instructor. And it's, it's one of those things where it's keeping people happy and keeping them in where they can learn a nice learning environment and just not getting too off topic. Like, I feel like a lot of gyms get off the topic, they get into politics, they get into this, they get into that, and it just kind of like, it disrupts the gym. I think that that kind of like being a good instructor is just being there for the students. That can be super challenging, keeping the culture healthy, right? Versus yes. It going a into a, a darker place. But what additionally was really interesting is to hear someone like yourself who's been doing it for so long, who's done so much at the, the highest levels and who's seen the best and the worst in, in all of it, can still go back to day one and empathize with the guy or gal who gets winded tying their shoes to even yeah. get to the academy. Like I said, we have to be acceptable of all these these people within reason. Like, I mean, I've met some very odd characters in jujitsu. Like, there are a lot of odd characters, like famous odd characters, and you hear what they've done, and you're like, oh, like, people train with that guy. Like, really? I'm like, all right, well, so yeah, to each their own, I guess. But, yeah, it's, it's one of these things where it's such a big picture thing because I listen to a lot of Jordan Peterson, and it's we're all malice and cruel, and we all have our own sins. Forget biblical bullshit, but like everybody's done something wrong and they all have to sit with that stuff on top of like coming to a class where you're going to be like, you suck. 
you're not good at this. And it's like, mm. for some people, it rolls right off their shoulders. For some people, I hear them, they're like, oh my God, I should fucking kill myself. I'll never come back to class. Mm. It's one of these things where like, not everybody knows how to do that in jujitsu. And there needs to be definitely some kindness in that for the jujitsu too. That's super interesting that you touched upon the psychological aspect of it too. It seems like that is a huge part of it for academy owners, instructors, coaches. You wear so many different hats in the business itself, one of them being that psychologist for all kinds of reasons. Yes. Why does this person hate me? Does this happen? Why are they rude to me? I'm like, why didn't you give me my blue belt yet? Well, because you're not a blue belt. That's easy. I can do that one all day. I can do that. I can do that one sympathetic. Ouch. Like, you're very not a blue ouch. belt. Ouch. Very ouch. Very true. You're not a blue belt until you stop making white belt mistakes. I can't remember who I talked to. He told me, uh, yeah, Eli Knight. And he's like, man, if you asked to hoist that, that would tack on at least six months automatically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I See, I just don't think people can remember that long. There's no way. Like, if your memory is that good, then wow. Six more months? Like, one of the things, like, if you ask me real old, where do I get my blueberries? Well, you stop making white belt mistakes. And it's just mm-hmm. a generalized, that's a very good generalized positive way to say it. Like, Here's the thing. I think people have a very, like, oh, I don't roll very aggressive. Mm-hmm. I'm like, maybe you don't think you're aggressive, but you're a spaz. And spazzy jujitsu is never fun. That's people a term who... that's often thrown out a lot, like spaz. What, what specifically do you mean by spaz? I think a lot of people don't understand what that means. So at a certain point, you're either spazzy or you're just not good enough to like have your frames in place fast enough. Like you knee somebody in the face constantly or you're elbowing so dangerous. people in the head. Yeah, you're reckless. Like, there's no need for me to suffer. Yeah, you're reckless. There's no need for me to suffer a concussion because you can't roll at my pace. There's no need for me. Like, I roll with little girls. Like, I roll with my Sebastos. We're 100 pounds apart. But we can roll and nobody ever gets injured. Nobody ever gets elbowed in the face. One of those things where I feel like people, one, they let emotions lead them and they get scared when they're training. And once they start getting scared, they start spazzing. You should not be scared of your training partner. If you're scared of your training partner, there's no need for you to train with that person. Like we're talking about to the, where it's like you're so scared of your guard getting past mm-hmm. that you would rather knock somebody the fuck out randomly, like mm-hmm. accidentally spazzing to get your guard back into right. place than actually learn proper guard retention. Sure. And I got to go to work that, next day and I've lost a tooth. Yeah, I, I got to go to the dentist after this, and that's going to cost me how much money? And you don't have insurance. The gym's not going to pay for it. I just I don't roll with you. If you have to rush, you're losing. You've already lost. So why not learn proper guard retention and just let your guard get past and learn how to recompose guard from side control? Get better at that instead of spazzing. Very hard to tell somebody that. It's like, you should be doing this instead of that. Also, when we put the psychological thing on top of it, right? Like, I'm scared. Why are you scared? It's a gym. What are they going to do to you? They're going to hurt me. Oh, yeah, right. And if they do, we take a look at the case and we look at it and we analyze it and be like, oh, yeah, that was malicious. You know? Accidents mm-hmm. happen. But the fact that you think that guard getting past is a better idea for you to spaz out instead of properly learning how to recompose guard or to properly keep your frames in place to get your feet back in front of you, then your instructor is also doing you a disservice because to be able to defend yourself with jujitsu in the gym and outside the gym, 
And the best place to learn how to do jujitsu properly and defend yourself is in the gym where people aren't trying to hurt you. They're trying to have fun with you and, you know, go for a playful submission or something like that, right? I tell people this all the time. It's better to get submitted in here than on the street or in a competition. And people whine about getting submitted in training. They get their feelings hurt about training. And it's like, bro, like just wait till you get to Kasai. And there's mm. how many thousands of people watching? Like, not that it really matters, but you think this really, your 500 teammates, how many ever teammates you got? If they're talking about it, they're bad teammates. And that's another thing. There's a lot of that shit going on. Bickering in between teammates about this, that, and the other, man. Like, let people do their jujitsu. So what? They're not you. Good. Let it be. Mm-hmm. You're in the lab, be a researcher. Yeah. yeah. I wanted, let's talk about competing just a little bit. I often hear, I haven't won gold yet. What uh, advice would you give to that person? It depends on what their goals are. If mm. it's to be a good instructor, it doesn't matter. There's so many high level, there's so many money making gyms with no world champions there. They just put out a good product. Just say I'm just a general guy working. I want to do a local tournament and I just keep losing, losing. Well, not losing, but not winning. You know, not winning that goal. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like, just keep trying. Like, it doesn't really matter. Like, it's not your job. <laughs> You're not a failure at your job. You still feed your family. You still go to work. So it's like one of those things where I'm just going to tell you, like, I have to tell people this all the time when they roll with me and I'm rolling with them and they're like, I'm a black belt. They're a black belt. And they're like, well, why? And I was like, well, because this is how I fed myself. This is not how you feed yourself. It had a different purpose for me. So no matter how dedicated I get, like you see all these guys that are like injured and shit from countless years of jujitsu and they're so much better than other people. It's, well, those guys also did it as a job. Right. Like they were professionals, mm-hmm. you know, like there's this misconception unless there's some gyms who like there's black belts and then there's black belts. And they're like, well, what is the staple? Well, I was a professional at it. You weren't. Mm-hmm. And you didn't want to be. So it doesn't matter. I'm, yes, I'm going to be better than you. It's just the way it is. You know, it's the grass is greener on the other side bullshit. You know, yeah, like, yeah. oh, well, you have a wife, a family, a career, making over $100,000 a year. I had jujitsu. Trust me. We can trade places if you want to. I'm happy if you're happy. Mm-hmm. Just another life. It's just the way I, de- I decided to spend my time. You know, that's interesting. When I was talking to a few black belts before, say, you know, when I brought up that question about how would you change the belt system, a couple of the answers were, several of them actually were maybe a professional belt versus your standard belt, right? Because you mentioned there are black belts and there are black belts. So Jacare talked about a gray belt Hmm. at one point in between brown and black. Oh, interesting. Kind of like the same thing, like a probationary black belt. The jujitsu has definitely gotten a lot better than what it was. It's undeniably gotten better. And without shitting on the people of the past, it's just like one of those things like it's kind of like your guys' stuff is dead. It's okay. Enjoy. Things evolved. They got better. The learning curve is definitely, like you said, gotten less. It's so much better now. Like you said, we have so many more teaching tools. The teachers have more teaching tools. People are going to get better faster now. The problem with it is, is you still have coming because it takes time for all those old generational bastards to die out and everything to come forward. So pretty soon, you're not going to have black belts. It, it'll weed itself out unless we still have people who are like, Johnny's never learned a thing since he's been here, but he's been here for 10 years. So let's give him a fucking black belt. It's like, well, how the, and I've met these people and I'm like, how, 
I mean, yeah, they work a job, but it's like, dude, you work a job. Everybody else does too. You know what I mean? Like, that's not the excuse. I know women that are brown belt world champions who work full-time programming jobs. Your excuse to not be good at jujitsu is your job. It's not an excuse anymore. So we have to start looking at the criteria of why people are letting people start associations sometimes. People let people start associations so they pay them. Has nothing to do with producing quality athletes or quality students. It's just to make more money. And that again ruins martial arts and a lot of things. Because it's it's no longer about actually learning anything. It's just about making money off of people. And that's a problem I have with it. I've thought about instead of doing a gym, maybe a social project instead of a gym, just do a, a grappling club, finding a way to run it and fund it, and that's it. Instead of doing like a gym. I don't like the whole association. Honestly, I wouldn't be affiliated on anybody. I would just be like, Tex Johnson. That's it. Make a decent name, the Grapplers Club, whatever. Throw some mats down, pay $100 a month. We all go, we all train, we learn. DN, no gi, and that's it. I feel like it puts a lot of less stress on people. Call it a club instead of a academy. I think the terminology there is, you know, we're going to be learning, but it's not going to be like, yes, professor, yes, sensei. Mm-hmm. It can be. I mean, if that's what you want it. Like I started in Taekwondo. So I started in the original Asian martial arts and you get hit with a bamboo sword if you talk back to an instructor. <laughs> yeah. I was yeah. eight. I was like, no, that's old. Like, that's I, child I, abuse. That's just dumb You know stuff. what I mean? Yeah. But you know what I mean? Back in the no, day. Yeah, but, like, yeah. you know, but it's funny to me. Like I'm like, I <laughs> yeah. look at people. I'm like, do you realize I'd hit you normally? Like I just hit you. Like there's no point yeah. in this. Talk back to me. I'll hit you. And I was like, wow, things have gotten, <laughs> it's kind of funny how it comes first so cool. And Tex, where can we get more information about you and everything that you're up to, man? You can always Google me. You can hit me up on Tex underscore BJJ on Instagram. I'm not accepting new followers right now, so you'll have to wait on that. BJJ Heroes, you can get all the info about my wins and losses and highlight reels there and also just Google me. We will add all the links in the show notes to all of Texas stuff and information that he mentioned and that we mentioned in the show. Thanks so much, everyone, for watching, listening out there. Please give us the five-star review on all the places, Spotify, Apple Music, etc. I'm your host, Adolfo Fronda. Again, Tex, thank you so much for making the time. It was a real honor. Thank you. Thank you.